Good morning. My name is David Blackburn. I'm one of the pastors here at Faith Fellowship. Do you ever remember getting a letter from your mother? You know, I know I'm dating myself in the age of texting and tweeting, but I still have a couple of the handwritten letters that my mother sent me. And I want to read a letter from a mother who uh, wasn't well educated, but like all good moms, she loved her son. This wasn't from my mom, okay? Let's get this clear right now. Dear son, just a few lines to let you know that I'm still alive. I'm writing this letter slowly because I know that you can't read very fast. You won't know the house when you come home because we've moved. About your father. He has a lovely job. He has 500 people under him. He's cutting the grass at the cemetery. I discovered what I thought was a washing machine in our new house. It doesn't work too good. Last week, I stuffed three shirts into it, pushed a lever down, and I haven't seen the shirt since. Your sister Mary had a baby this morning. I haven't found out whether it's a boy or girl so I don't know whether you're an aunt or an uncle. Your Uncle Sam drowned last week in a vat of whiskey at the local brewery. They cremated his body, and it took three days to put out the fire. Goodbye for now, your loving mother. You know, it's really true. There's nobody like Mom, whether she writes like this dear lady or not. I've heard it said that the father may be the head of the home and the children may be the hub of the home. But without question, mother is the heart of the home. Amen. So moms, let me say once again this morning to you, happy Mother's Day. We give God thanks for you and we honor you today according to what we've been told in Scripture. Paul writes this. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) This is going to be fun, I can tell. He writes this. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Men, you know, this is not your day, necessarily. But I'm concerned about some of you, so I thought I'd throw something in here just in case you haven't bought a gift for your children's mother. Now, I know it's dangerously late, and let me underline that word, dangerously. But maybe you plan on going to Walmart this afternoon. That's not a real good plan. Because those moms are thinking, Walmart, you know. But I found seven tips here. Let me read them to you. They're entitled, What Not to Buy Your Wife for Mother's Day. What not to buy your wife. Number one, don't buy anything that plugs in. Anything that requires electricity is seen as utilitarian. Number two, don't buy clothing that involves sizes. You've got a one in ten chance of getting her size right. Enough said. Number three, avoid all things useful. Like those devices that save time in housekeeping. Swiffers and swaffers and all, I don't know, you know. 
Forget it, men. That's what they say here. Forget it. Warning. Don't buy, number four, anything that involves weight loss or self-improvement. You're in big trouble, brother. Number five, don't buy jewelry. The jewelry your wife wants, you can't afford. And the jewelry you can afford, she doesn't want. Uh, number six, don't buy exotic underwear. And that's what it says, okay? And all the kids are out of here anyway. Don't buy it because your idea of the kind your wife should wear and what she actually will wear are light years apart. Finally, watch how much you spend. If you spend too much, she'll question, how do you think we're going to afford that? But don't spend too little. She won't say anything, but she'll think, is that all I'm worth? Men, it's a gift-giving minefield out there. So make sure you've prayed about this before you go and hit the stores. All kidding aside, being a mom is perhaps one of the toughest jobs in the world. It requires special talents and temperaments and tenacity to be a mom. You see, I believe most mothers want to be good mothers. They want to be great mothers. Sadly, we hear tragic stories of mothers who have abused or abandoned their children, in some cases, even taken their children's lives. And these stories shock us to our core because we know that the true heart of motherhood is something much different than this. And I want us to look at one of the mothers in the Bible and see what we can learn from her life that can help you mothers today. Her name is Deborah. And we find her story in the Old Testament book of Judges. Now, Judges is a book about the sin of disobedience and its consequences. It's a book that comes right after the book of Joshua. And the book of Joshua ends with the nation of Israel getting ready to experience all the blessings of the promised land. But after settling into the land, the Israelites lost their spiritual commitment and motivation to serve God. The nation experienced a leadership vacuum when Joshua and the other elders died. And the key verse for Judges is found here in Judges 17.6. In those days, Israel had no king. So the people did whatever seemed right in their what? Their own eyes. Instead of enjoying freedom and prosperity in this wonderful land that God had given them, Israel entered into the dark ages of her history. The book of Judges covers a time period of about 300 years in Israelite history. It tells about six distinct time periods that all went something like this. Number one, the people would follow God and His law, and God would bless them. Then, they would eventually turn their back on God and fall into sinful practices. Because of this, God would allow an enemy force to come against them and rule over them. Then the people, they would repent, they would cry out to God for deliverance, 
and God would be faithful to hear them and he would send a deliverer who would serve as a judge over them and consequently they would have peace again in the land. But sadly, after a period of time, complacency and disobedience would set in again in the hearts of the people and that cycle would start over again. It was 300 years like this. Deborah's story begins in chapter 4 of Judges with the death of a judge by the name of Ehud. After Ehud's death, the Israelites again did what was evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth, Hagayim. Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who had become a judge in Israel. Chariots were the tanks of the ancient world, made of iron and wood and sometimes having spikes on their axles. They were pulled by horses. They were the most feared military device of the day. And we have a Canaanite army that has 900 of these chariots. And Israel was not powerful enough to defeat such a foe. The Israelites had fallen into their pattern of going their own way once again. They turned their backs on God. And consequently, for the past 20 years, we're told here, they had suffered even though they had the godly leadership of Judge Deborah. When I was reading that again this week, it reminded me of my life and some other lives that I have known who tried to go our own way and do it our way, but we only made a bigger mess of things. You see, trying to control our own lives without God's help, leads to struggle and confusion. This is a lesson I had to learn. It's a lesson some of you may have to learn and will have to learn if you're in that situation. It's a lesson the Israelites had to keep learning over and over, and they paid a dear price for it. Deborah was the only female judge that Israel ever had. She was not only a judge of the people... The Bible tells us she was a prophet. This means she received direct revelation from God, which enabled Deborah to interpret the past, give direction in the present for the people, and then announce the future and what God had in store for them. So one day, God gave Deborah a plan for defeating the Canaanite army. The people had finally wised up. And they'd cried out to God and they'd repented of their sins. And God being faithful the way he is, he heard their prayers. And he set in motion their deliverance. Now Deborah called for a man by the name of Barak. Barak without the sea. And I'm going to read. You didn't get that, did you? Let me read to you in Judges chapter 4. Verses 6 through 10, this process that Deborah calls for Barak. One day she sent for Barak, son of Ebenom, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, 
This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulon at Mount Tabor. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. Can I hear a go, girl? Yeah, man. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. At Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulon and Naphtali, and 10,000 warriors went up with him. Deborah also went with him. Barak thought this was a good idea. He was tired of his people living under the rule of the Canaanite army and the cruelty of their leader, Sisera. But then, you know, he must have started thinking uh, about all those chariots, 900 chariots. And he decided they needed the woman of God to go along for the fight. Barak knew the victory would only come because of God's intervention. And he also knew that Deborah was closer to God than anyone in the entire country. Now, on the enemy's side, you had Sisera. He was probably very confident. He knew that when the Israelites saw him and the 900 chariots and his vast army, they would do what they've always done, run for home. Yeah, they had a strong position up in the mountains, but he knew they couldn't stay there forever. And when they came down into the valley... He would cut them to pieces once and for all. Now, Barak and the 10,000 men were looking down at their enemy. And as they looked, I believe rage was building inside of them. Most of these warriors, these young men, had lived under the cruel oppression of the Canaanite army the majority of their lives, 20 years. And they knew this was their time to win freedom for themselves and their families. So suddenly, Deborah breaks this standoff by telling Barak, Get ready. Today, the Lord will give you victory over Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. You know, there are certain lines that you find as you're reading the Bible, and you're like me, and they just stick out and jump out at you. Like, And I like that line, The Lord is marching ahead. Ahead of you. How could they lose? How could they fail knowing that the Lord was preparing the victory ahead of them? Judges chapter 5, if you take time someday to read it, tells us the Lord sent a deluge of rain. Something like we had a week ago. And the chariots got mired in the mud and stuck fast and could not move. The Canaanite army was in trouble because they had lost their key military advantage. Not only that, these young Israelites were empowered. They were going to fight for the freedom of their wives and their children. And the Bible goes on and tells us all the Canaanite soldiers were killed. It's a great story. Like so many great stories in the Bible. But you're probably thinking, you know, what does this have to do Mother's Day. Well, after the victory, Deborah and Barak sang a song to the Lord 
which is recorded in Judges chapter 5. And there's an interesting line in verse 7. Let's read it. Village life in Israel ceased, ceased until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. In that verse, Deborah is called a mother in Israel. As the only female judge, she was a mother to the Israelite nation, and she brought life back into the villages. I believe Deborah is a good example for mothers today. She demonstrates how they can bring life back into their homes. And I want us to consider the home instead of the village. Verse 7 says... Okay, go on, screens. So to do that, Deborah did three things. And mothers... I'm encouraging you today to follow these three things that Deborah did. Godly mothers, like Deborah, must give their children, number one, words of the Lord. Deborah was more than just a judge. We're told she was a prophet. And one of her primary duties as a prophet or a prophetess was to take the word she received from the Lord and bring it to the people. The people needed to know what the Lord had to say, and it was Deborah who brought them his words. Mothers, of all the things you can give your children, the most important are the words of the Lord. Paul refers to this thought in Philippians 2 as the words of life. You know, I'm sure every mother here wants her children to experience the best kind of life possible. And she will do whatever it takes to help see that come to pass in her children's lives. Now, most of what we do, moms and dads, to give our children the best life is temporary and fleeting. The designer clothes, the high-end toys, lessons of all kinds... Sports activities, electronic gadgets, and and everything else. And I'm not against these things because as a parent, I did those things and we did those things with our children. I'm not against them, hear me. But I believe the best kind of life must include God's Word, which is the words of life. So much of what we give our children passes away quickly. But there's something the Bible tells us that is permanent and eternal. All people are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord does what? Endures forever. Never forget, my friends, that the words of life, God's word last forever. One of Paul's faithful co-workers was a young man named Timothy. And Paul had a tremendous influence in Timothy's spiritual life. And he even referred to Timothy as his son in the faith. But Timothy's faith didn't begin with Paul. Paul knew where that faith began. And Paul gives credit to the ones who helped develop that faith. Paul says this, I am reminded of your, Timothy, sincere faith, 
which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. In this verse, we see the results of two generations of mothers who gave their children what was most important, the words of the Lord. The words of the Lord that helped develop and shape their faith. You see, Lois, grandmother Lois, gave those words to her daughter Eunice. And then Eunice, in turn, gave them to her son, Lois's grandson. We could go around this room, and many of you could insert your grandmothers and mothers' names in this verse. And you would acknowledge that your faith began with their giving God's word to you. Well, how does a mother living in 2011 give her children the words of the Lord? One thing you can do, mothers, is bring them to a church where the word of the Lord is taught in a way they can understand at their age level. We have dedicated teachers right now in Kids Zone teaching children the words of the Lord in a manner, in a style, age-sensitive way that they can understand it. Don't drop your kids off. I hated that when I saw the parents do that. Take their kids to church. Another thing you can do is make sure your children have a Bible they can read. It could be very elementary with mostly pictures. That's quite all right. As long as they're taught the value and importance of the words of the Lord. Encourage them to read that Bible by setting the example. Mom, you read it to them if they can't read. Let me ask you. Mom, do your children ever see you reading your Bible? Have your kids ever walked in on you at the kitchen table and you had your Bible open? Mom, do your children know that you go to a Bible study or one of Faith Fellowship's small groups? Mothers, do you just read the Bible like some kind of assignment? Or do you apply its teachings to your daily life both inside your home and outside your home? To bring life to her home, Mothers must bring their children words of the Lord. And like Deborah, number two, they must give their children encouragement. Hold my slide right there. Heard a great story this morning in the commons of one of our grandmothers telling me how she had written some words of encouragement to her grandchildren. And she didn't know I was going to say this and didn't know this was part of my message, but I thought, amen, God. You see, Deborah encouraged Israel, and especially Barak. First, Deborah encouraged with her presence by just being there. When Barak asked Deborah to go with him, when he went to battle with the Canaanite army, what did she do? She could have made some excuses about needing time, some personal time, to be alone to hear from God for all the people. Or she had other duties in another part of the country, and so she couldn't go at that time. Deborah didn't do this. The judge of Israel went with Barak and the army. You see, Barak knew it would be a great source of encouragement for him 
and the army to have the one who received words from the Lord to go with them as they face this enemy. Friends, encouragement is a powerful tool. It is the power to build up broken spirits and the power to heal hurting hearts. I contend it has the power to motivate us to meet the challenges of life head on no matter what our age. An old guy like me needs to be encouraged once in a while. Moms, one of your greatest needs your children have is to be encouraged. And if you're not doing it, it may not be getting done. And that encouragement doesn't stop when they leave home. Continue to encourage your children as long as you live, moms. You know, it's tough being a kid today with all the demands and pressures that are on them. I don't ever remember a time in my life when children and teens face greater forces of evil trying to bring them down. The home should be a place of refuge, a place of encouragement, where children are built up and encouraged. So how can you do this? Well, just like Deborah, mothers, your presence can encourage your children. Just being there, spending time with your children is an encouragement to them. Much more than those designer clothes and those gadgets. It shows your children you love them and that they are important to you. Each day, I know of some of your lives and some of your things that you do, you are very busy. You have many demands on your time. But most of all, moms, make time for your children. They're only going to be with you for a few short years. I'm sure many of you would agree with me that it only seems like yesterday that our children were going off For that first day at school, I knew I'd do this. Tear up. Seems like yesterday that they got their driver's license or they graduated from high school or, or college. And now they've gone on with their lives. The late Harry Chapin wrote and recorded a song in 1974 called Cats in the Cradle, the only number one song that he ever had. And I know it was written with a father in mind, but I believe it can equally warn mothers of the fleeting nature of time and the necessity of making time for your children while you still can. You know, the child in the song repeatedly asked, you know, when are you coming home? When are you coming home? And I believe there are hundreds of thousands of children in America Asking in their hearts, Mom, when are you coming home? No one can take your place, mothers. So encourage your children with your presence and spend time with your children while they still want to spend some time with you. We also see Deborah in our story encouraging Barak with her words. As, she stood, as he stood on that mountain looking down at that army, those 900 chariots, he may have grown fearful and anxious about the outcome. 
He may have even second-guessed himself and second-guessed God. You know, we do that sometimes. Second-guess God. That's when Barak heard those words that gave him and the Israelites the encouragement and confidence they needed to run down that mountain and conquer the enemy. Deborah said, get ready. Today the Lord will give you victory. Mothers, you can also encourage your children with words. You can all tell stories, moms, of having one of those days when everything went wrong from from your hair and your makeup to breakfast, getting the kids off to school, the drive to work, a a hard day at the office or, or the school, the drive home, dinner preparation, kids' homework, baths and bedtime. You're tired just thinking about it, aren't you? I'm tired for you. Maybe it was a day when you said something to your children that you regret even now thinking about it. Well, Paul gives us some good advice, mothers and fathers. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, no matter what their size, no matter what their age, according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Paul knew a little bit about encouragement. And if you've had one of those days, moms, in the last two weeks or a month or whenever, it's good to remind yourself that God forgives. And so do your children if you'll ask them to forgive you. With your words, let your children know They are special because you love them. And so does Jesus. With your words, encourage them to step out and try some new things. And with your words, help them in areas where they're having some trouble in their life. Moms, use your words to let your children know you care. And be sure also to use God's words to let them know He cares for them. One great verse that you've heard many times, we can use it today, we can claim it for our lives, although God gave it originally for His people who were exiled in Babylon. But I love this verse, and I know you do too. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope, And a future. As I'm reading that, I'm thinking, what a wonderful thing to pray over your baby in the crib. Pray over your baby in the womb. Pray over your children and recite to your children at all times of their life. Your children need to know that God cares for them and has a divine plan and purpose for them and that they can trust Him with their lives. Godly mothers must bring their children words of the Lord and they must give their children encouragement. And finally, like Deborah, godly mothers must remind their children of God's power. All of Judges chapter 5 is a song about the great victory that God had given the Israelites on the battlefield. And what this song did was to reinforce the words of the Lord that Judge Deborah 
had brought the people and telling them how God had given the enemy into their hands. And the song ends with this last line, Lord, may all your enemies die like Sisera. Mothers, as much as we wish it wasn't so, your children are going to face many enemies in their lives. They will face enemies such as fear, discouragement, insecurity, enemies such as doubt, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness. Our children's ultimate enemy, Satan, will do whatever he can to turn them from faith in Jesus Christ. He will work overtime to destroy your children's faith. But we should never forget, and I love saying this, that their ultimate enemy and your ultimate enemy, my ultimate enemy is God's enemy. And one of the ways a mother can bring life to her home is by reminding her children who has the power. Read the end of the book. Children need to be reminded that God is all-powerful and can help them in times of trouble and need. God still defeats the enemies of His people today, just as He did in the book of Judges. Don't let Hollywood or any other media source define God and His power and ability. Mothers, you let God's Word define Him. And then teach your children to receive by faith what God says about Himself in that book. Here's a great verse to teach your children. The angel Gabriel is reminding a young girl... Most Bible scholars believe she was 13, 14 years of age. Her name was Mary. And he's reminding Mary of this truth that I'm trying to teach you from judges here. A truth that she needed when she faced a very unsettling time in her life. Read it with me. For nothing is impossible with God. Some of you mothers may be going through a very difficult circumstance right now in your life. And I want you to know that God knows all about it. And He wants you to hold on to this verse on Mother's Day and every day of the year. For nothing is impossible with God. Hold on to it, mothers. Believe it, mothers. And then moms, teach your children to believe this verse. I'm grateful for a mom who had great influence on my life. She went home to be with her Savior in July of 2009. My wife and I, both of our, all of our parents are gone, and today... Even this morning, we thanked God for both of our mothers. Through the years, as I've grown older, I realize how fortunate I was to have my mother, Jean, 
for a mother because of her strong, steadfast faith in God throughout her life. She had a life that was marked with many setbacks and and heartaches and difficulties. I'm sad to say that I gave my mother some sleepless nights. I know there were times when she must have felt like the mother that was asked about motherhood. Someone asked this young mother, she said, they said, would she do it all over again? And she replied, yes, but not with the same children. <laughs> and if you're one of those kids, you better examine yourself. <laughs> well, godly mothers know this next verse is true. And godly mothers would choose to do it all over again, even with the same children. And moms, I just want the moms to read this out loud. I'm not going to help you, so you've got to really talk out. Read it out loud to us, moms. One more time. That sounds so good. true. It's true. Most, if not all of us, have some wonderful memories of our mothers. And we could give God thanks for them, whether they're still alive or whether our mothers have passed on. And whether our mothers knew it or not, and whether they heard a message like this preached, I believe they did like Deborah. They, number one, brought us the words of the Lord. Number two, they gave us encouragement. And finally, those godly mothers reminded us of God's power. To all the mothers that are here today, I want to thank you for what you do to bring life to your village, life to your home. And I would say, keep it up, moms. God is with you. Stay faithful to the greatest responsibility and privilege you will ever be given. We honor and bless you this day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mothers, just mothers stand. Grandmothers, anyone that's a caregiver to women, to, to children, I just want the mothers to stand one Thank God for let's thank God for the mothers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the mothers that are here. We thank you for the mothers that are with you in heaven. We thank you for the mothers that couldn't be here that are living in other parts of the country and we are going to call them because we were told in that video. We owe the mothers big time, Lord. We thank you for the godly moms in our church. I ask that you would help them in the difficult times in the seasons of their life, raising children in this very hostile climate against Christianity and Jesus Christ. Empower them and use them and bless them this day. Mightily we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.